I'm just going to jump right in. I've been thinking about it this for a long time, and we're going to have to, you know, do something to shift the tide to make marriage great again. Let's see what we can do. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversations for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Here's our host, Menachem Poznanski. Hey, Consciously family, welcome back. It's been a few weeks since we posted, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I really miss this. And also, I've been really burnt out. But I'm grateful to be back here with you, and grateful to be doing this episode. So this is a series I was thinking about doing for a long time. I'm hoping that I'm going to get a few people to join me, particularly and in specific uh, Mayor Prager, because we talked about doing this, but I wanted to just jump in, particularly in honor of the wedding of my dear friends Chaim and Sarah. And I've been thinking about marriage, and Chaim and I have been having some discussions about marriage, and it's gotten my brain percolating. But first, thank you again for joining us. Do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen, uh, especially Apple, that seems to be where a lot of you are listening, and the stars and reviews seem to do good things. So please do that. Also check us out on social media, The Light Revealed, on Instagram and Facebook, and you can reach us there and by email at the consciouslythepodcast.gmail.com. Finally, check out our books, Consciously and Stepping Out of the Abyss, in all the... Uh, you know, places that you buy Jewish books. Okay, so what can we do to make marriage great? So I want to talk about first, I think what marriage is and what it is that we're celebrating when people get married, I think, in my mind, as far as I understand. So when people get married, people kind of conceptualize that a married couple form a unit, a team, and they're now kind of working together uh, to build their lives. And there's a lot of discussion in you know, topics or verbiage of Pneumius Torah, of the inner world of Torah, where, you know, the married couple forms a unity, a yichud, a connectedness. And there's a lot of fantasy. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but, uh, you know, a lot of fantasizing about the kind of intense connectedness that occurs when two individual parts become a whole. And there, there's a beautiful book. I think I might have mentioned it here in the podcast once before by Aaron Feldman called The River, the Kettle, and the Bird. And in it, he describes a wonderful framework for looking at A, the early phase of marriage, but also kind of marriage in a nutshell. It's very rational. Uh, and he takes it from uh, a Gemara that describes that Chazal, a Maimar Chazal, that if a person dreams of a river, a kettle, and the bird, then he will merit peace in his life. And Feldman describes how the river, the kettle, and the bird are really a, a construct by which we can conceptualize the progression of a healthy relationship. That in, an, in any relationship, people get married, let's say, uh, they form a union. And in that initial phase of marriage, they are like a river which is an entity which separates often two cities. That's a conceptual framework to see of a river, and there's two villages that share 
this waterway. And as a result of their connection uh, to the river, they're able to trade and form, uh, you know, alliances and work together towards developing their individual villages. And he talks about how in the early phases of a relationship, each entity within the relationship is a separate and independent autonomous being, which is good. That's healthy. And the first goal within marriage is to find the rules by which these two separate entities can navigate life, work together. And even though those two entities are very much staying separated, they're still separate as entities, but they're working together now towards a common goal. The, the kettle he describes as a, a, as a, a mechanism, uh, a tool that can utilize both fire and water together, two opposites, to create an, an outcome, a unified outcome together, right? The hot water, right? And husband and wife come together, male men and women come together. And even though they're very, very opposed, they're very separate, disparate in how they approach life, together they can kind of work together to create this shared outcome, which then ultimately has the power to create, to cook, to heat, to warm. And then finally, the bird, the bird being an organism that walks on the ground and flies in the sky. It's not like an insect which has wings and flies, but then also has legs, which it tucks away when it flies. But the bird is kind of this unified organism that both flies and walks, kind of hops and walks. The way that it flies is directly affected by the way that it walks, and the way it walks is directly affected by the way that it flies. So it's kind of a unified organism. And he talks about how that represents the kind of unity that occurs over a lifetime of fostering and building a family and the unity that kind of comes about through that, how the individuals in a marriage start to their sense of identity starts to uh, wither and they start to become more a part of this whole than themselves. And that's a wonderful experience. And as he describes, and I have some measure of context for that, being married almost 22 years, God willing. This kind of stripping away of the person that one was toward becoming the person that they are and how that person that they become is now kind of intricately related, interdependent upon the other. So that's the framework that he uses. It's very nice. It's very meaningful. I, I mention it because I, I find it really useful. Um, in my earlier life, I found it very kind of comforting and real to, to find out that marriage was a journey and that the yichud, the connectedness that I expected in the early parts of my relationship that perhaps I had gained a certain vision of or a tasted a little bit in the early parts of our relationship were going to grow and foster and even become something I never could have imagined before, that I was kind of tasting, getting a, a whiff, so to speak, of the fragrance that is, uh, you know, yichud, a of unity uh, in a marriage, but but I never could have imagined it with my immature brain. So uh, meaningful, positive, really nice. But it always left me thinking like, okay, so why are we making such a celebration at a wedding? If it's simply the start of like a practical exercise of practice and evolution, why the big deal? why the intensity of it, and what's the message that we're supposed to be drawing from, meaning what's the panemius of what's occurring at the early stage of a marriage, and maybe what does that teach us about marriage, in addition to the framework 
and perspective and attitude that we're from when they don't. So that's what I think. I think the celebration that we make at a wedding is not a celebration of the chassan and kala forming a unity between two separate beings. I think that occurs concurrently to what we're about to talk about now. I think we take a man and a woman, two people, and we thrust them into this relationship and we say, learn how to get along, uh, begin to formulate a life together, evolve into new entities that you never could have been previously. And that is going to be the best thing for you. Lotov heos Adam Levado, as God says about Adam. It's not good for man to be alone. That when in the construct of a relationship, it challenges us, it gives us the opportunity to become something immeasurably greater than we ever could have been. But I don't think the simcha of the wedding is really just about that. I think there's actually something much more important to that that actually drives to the thrust of what marriage is and what life's about and perhaps why it's so important that we protect marriage. So I'll get right to it. I think what happens at a wedding is the formation and birthing of an entirely new entity that has never existed before. That what's really beautiful about a marriage is not a separate independent chassan and a separate independent kala, a separate independent bride and a separate independent groom coming together to form a relationship and express their dedication to one another, but that rather when a bride and a groom express in word and deed their commitment to each other, a new entity is birthed into reality, a new universe that never ever existed before. You see, every experience that this couple will ever have, the family that they will form, God willing, the home that they will build, the community that they will be a part of, all of their accomplishments, every good that emerges from their union only becomes possible as the result of that commitment and dedication to one another. That moment where they say, we are going to be one, and then from that is emerges a totally new universe that never existed before. They haven't even had kids yet. You know, because when a couple comes together and births a new child, that child represents tremendous potential. And it's a wonderful and powerful moment in human experience. It's something well worthwhile to celebrate. Everything that that human will now do was created by that decision by those parents to have the baby and then, and then to raise it. In fact, in Torah thought, God and the parents are seen as partners in the creation of this new child. But in reality, there's an entity, a child, you might say, a universe that is created before the couple ever, ever, ever has a child. And that entity is the new family that this couple is coming together to form. In fact, part of this perspective was actually created in my reflection about the trauma, and I've mentioned this before, on record a couple of times, so if it's repetitive, I apologize, but the trauma that children go through when their parents divorce. Because what, what occurs when children's parents divorce, aside from the complicated dynamics that are created by parents not living in the same place and not sharing a bank account and not sharing a vision and a home, aside from that, from that complication, is that the, the, the unit 
the family unit, the family itself, in one degree or another, in many degrees, in fact, is murdered, is killed, dies, because the parents are no longer together. It kills that entity that was created on that day when they got married and said, we are going to create a new thing, a new family unit that's going to flower and foster out into the universe. So that universe is created at that moment. It's created at the moment at the wedding when the husband stands there in Jewish tradition and places a ring, something of substance and value. He hands it as a gift to his wife and he says, But the truth is even before that, even at that first moment, as the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe explained at the wedding of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that the chassan sees the kala after their time of separation during engagement, and they see each other for the first time, and the chassan covers the kala's face and says, this is the one. He declares through action that this is the one, this is my beloved. A powerful big bang occurs that triggers the creation of this new reality, of this new universe, which is the family which is the lifetime that this couple have now created. And the wedding, I think, is a celebration of that creation, of the, a celebration of the newness. And if what I suspect is true, that a wedding is really a sacred celebration of this new entity that was created, and that in fact, the first action, the first thing on the agenda for a chassan and kala is to build a bias Neman Yisrael, to build a true home amongst the Jewish people, to build a home, to build a family. As they say, not just to build a house, but to have a home. And you see, when a husband and wife dedicate themselves to that, to that family, to that home, to that unity, to that universe, there's a tremendous unity, a yichud that emerges they share an absolute dedication to a new universe, growing it, fostering it, allowing it to become what it is destined to be. When they're both bottle, when they both surrender to the missionhood that is their dedication to this new entity, then they stop being separate parts within a whole and they become parts of the same whole. Whether they feel it, whether they experience it or not. And this is the essence of loving of your fellows, as we know in the Sifrei Hasidus and the Sifrei Musr. The foundation of how we can be commanded to love other people, ostensibly, is the command to begin to try to stop seeing ourselves as separate from the other and begin to see the way in which we are connected with everyone, with all of our people, with the whole world, with all of creation. As we've talked about before, when we stop seeing ourselves as human beings having a sometimes experiencing spiritual stuff to, to the fact that we are spiritual beings currently having a human experience, and we look around and see the other spiritual beings that are currently having a human experience or the other spiritual beings all around us that are just having a creative experience. We begin to see the way in which we are connected, not only with ourselves, not only with the ones that we like or the ones that we're connected to in a very earthly way, 
but rather connected and in love with everything, with life itself. It's one of the reasons that the Sfarim explain that love of God and love of the Jewish people are all inherently the same thing, because if you love God, you love the Jewish people. And if you love the Jewish people, you love God, because God is just life. And if you love others, you love life, you love creation, you love God. And when you love God, then you love all of the components of his creation. So I think the celebration of a wedding, the initial first phase of development for a couple, and I think the most important work that a couple does is to constantly reshift the focus away from separation and towards seeing one's own mission and the shared missionhood and the duty to the to the whole, to the entirety, whether that be creation, the universe, or the small universe that is our lives. So when God says, Lo tov heos ha'adam levado, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not just because a relationship, an attached, connected, interdependent relationship is the best space for man to grow into the person that he or she is meant to be immeasurably greater than anything he or she could have imagined. But in addition to that, aside from that, aside from just being a wonderful gymnasium for spiritual development, being together, being in a committed relationship of dedication allows us to experience a possibility for true unity and true service. It's where we can begin to strip away the layers of separation and begin to see the ultimate unity, to begin to see how we, all of us, each of us, in every thought, deed, and action, is creating a new timeline of history that never existed before. We are partners in the creation with the creator, and it is our privilege. A sense of unity, a sense of connectedness, and a sense of missionhood that is surely, surely, surely worth protecting, building, sanctifying, and making sacred. And so perhaps a wedding is a celebration of life itself, a celebration of just how meaningful it is to be alive at any given moment, to live life, to participate in the ever-outflowing of good that is reality. So mazel tov to Chaim and Sarah, and I hope you have a good week. Please God, we are back next week with a couple really great interviews. We have a couple, um, one that was recorded, please God, we'll put out on Monday, and a couple new ones that are coming up, and a new series that we're working on. We are working on great things here consciously. I'm really, really excited. Uh, We're finally going to get to that young people's interview series. Uh, We started them. We're going to put them out, I think, after Pesach, uh, but we're really trying to lean in here. So uh, thanks for joining us for the ride. Have a great day. Thank you for joining the Consciously family. Consciously is brought to you by The Light Revealed, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them. Consciously is made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family in memory of Tzipora Bas Ravaro. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our audio engineer is Alps, and our artwork is by Tani Puz. Our social media team is led by Tehil Nassanian with help from Zoe Poznanski. The assistant to the regional co-host is Shmaya Hanukman, and our music is by Eitan Katz featuring Zush.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please feel free to email us at consciouslythepodcast at gmail.com or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at The Light Revealed.